1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan. Dennis Dick is off today. That's right. Dennis is not here. Joel and I were just trying to uh, remember. I can't remember the last time that Dennis took a day off. I think it was before uh, this pandemic even started. I don't think he's taken a day off since like February or March So, or maybe January. So Dennis has has the day off. We'll give it to him. But I think he'll be mad if he's not already mad because he's missing some fireworks at the open here.
2: Joel, how are we doing here in the overnight session. We are volatile. Well, I know when he went, uh, the last time we did a show without him, Spencer. Remember? Well, it was, we
1: it was probably, probably in March, but I don't, but he hasn't taken a day, like a but day. But
2: do, do you remember he, uh, he went, uh, where he went to uh, that island. Where did he go? Remember? Oh,
1: he, oh, oh, he went to Jamaica.
2: He, he went, went to Jamaica. That's right. That's right. That's right. at right the start of COVID. Right. Right. I yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yep, I remember talking to him when he was there. Yeah. and He, he uh, didn't want to go. Exactly. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, here we are, folks. Uh, we're in the red here uh, by 34.25 handles in the S&Ps, uh, open, lower, and they never even gave you a shot at the close, uh, pre-market low, 34.12. Uh, that's uh, that's below Friday's low. What we got to concentrate on today is our weekly low, and that came in Thursday at 34.02.50. So there is your big number uh, in the S&P 500 futures. Coming back up, I'm sure a lot of people would love to see unchanged, but I don't think we're going to see that today by the dippers are powerful but i don't know if we can get back all of those losses uh crude in the red by 90 cents here at 38.95 Uh just seems to struggle at 41 42 every time it gets up to that area uh gold no flight to safety here flight to quality down 50 cents here at 19.0550 and then what else do you have you have silver in the red here down by 38.5 cents at Twenty four, twenty nine, and Bitcoin—we're over thirteen thousand here, up two hundred thirty dollars at thirteen thousand two hundred. Spencer, a lot to cover. The earnings are later in the week, but boy, oh boy, what a busy, busy, busy weekend here!
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess we should just, just start with the overall Monday morning jitters, probably some combination of the fact that it's a Monday and people had had the weekend to think about things, uh, rising new case counts, uh, could be election, could be anything, uh, but we are down here, as you said, Joel, pretty much across the board. I just want to look at quickly the, the reopening stocks. Um, I don't even know if we still call them that, but I, I guess they still are. The cruise lines, the airlines, everything pretty much down here. In unison, with a couple of exceptions, right?
2: All right, uh, let's take a look at uh, Zoom. Let's we'll just go in quick order here. Uh, Zoom, that's trading up. Let me get your uh, your twenty four hour chart here. That's trading up seven dollars. I mean, this has pretty much been a. A familiar, uh, familiar scenario that we've seen. Uh, just keep an eye. We're off the pre-market high that comes in just under five twenty. So we'll look at that. Had a nice, uh, little bit of a pullback last week. Uh, let me get the sixty-minute chart up here as well. I mean, we talked about some of these uh, airline stocks and these cruise line stocks. This is just not good news for them in any way whatsoever. So hard to get excited about them. You know, with the with. Even without this news out today, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines, they're just hanging out, trading down 48 cents. Royal Caribbean, did, they, did we get their offering price? I know I got whacked on that, but that didn't manage it out coming back a little bit. Yeah,
1: we did. It was $60.
2: Ah, that was a little bit of a bargain there for people that scoop that up, and then uh, NCLH.
1: Yeah, I mean they're all pretty much down here. Yeah, I, mean, all, I mean everything is down. Tech is down. I mean everything is down. It's it's going to be one of those one of those mornings. But, but let's put this in perspective here, Joel. If you can zoom out, I, like we're still in in this range, right? As as we've been in.
2: Yeah, and just going back uh, to the S and P's here. Uh, doing my homework over the weekend. The ranges had been coming in, right? Remember when we were at the height of the crisis, we were having 150, 200, 250 point ranges. And eventually it calmed down. We ended up heading north and the ranges really came in. Uh, but since that September sell-off, our, our average daily range has been coming in, and that just means people are squaring up positions, uh, playing things a little bit closer to the belt, trading ranges, kind of like what uh, Triple D was had been talking about. You know, They're buying the dips a little bit, but they're selling the reps. And until today, like today our average daily range is 56 handles, we've already traded uh, 34 of it, so... Do we got another 20 handles on the downside? I don't know. We'll see what happens at uh, last week's low. But overall, markets had been coming in today. Today's like one of the first big red days we've had, right? And that they've been snapped up right away. So we'll see what happens off uh, well, yeah, today's you, open.
1: You've got some competing narratives here. On the one hand, you've got uh, Friday and Saturday were, were just terrible cases uh, for, for the U.S. and actually everywhere else in the world in terms of new uh, coronavirus cases. Uh, last time we, we hit a new high uh, back in July, it took about six days for the death, the new death to sort of catch up to that. So we'll see if that's the case this time or if we don't see that sort of follow through. But so you, you've got rising cases on one hand. On the other hand, you have this news from AstraZeneca from over the weekend uh, that they they've resumed their trial and uh, report from the Financial Times. And they've been all over the story. They said that their, AstraZeneca's vaccine data does show promising signs in older uh, 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 in older people. And we I guess we're expecting to see some data uh, the week of November 2nd. Great timing. Oh. Great timing for that. So you've got some positive AstraZeneca vaccine talk. You've got rising COVID cases. This is on the heels of what we saw last week when I think it was in Moderna last week and the CEO said we're also going to have data for you in a few weeks. So you got some vaccines. You got some rising cases. All that comes out to a red day.
2: So fun. yeah, and uh, f- just a real quick note here for you, vaccine stock traders. Uh, these this news these these rallies have not been holding. I mean, they've gotten a pop and then to the drop. No, no better better example than Gilead. Holy mackerel. I mean, they don't care anything about this stock. They actually got the approval. And now this stock is right back at its low of the move. So we have seen this before. We have seen this scenario before. These stocks get a pop, but so hard for them to maintain it. And, you know, we were covering this on Thursday when it happened. And we're like, well, why is it this rallying? You know, why is it this rallying? Why is it this rallying? And now we know because people weren't waiting to buy the dip on it. They were looking to sell the rip. So, just be careful when you're trading those stocks. The, the news, the good news has been at this point has been more of a selling opportunity than chasing this on the upside. And this is yeah. this is kind of kind of the scenario with the market, too.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. All right, Joel, I, I want to move on to uh, specific uh, stocks here. I've got five words for you. Time to make the donuts. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, time to make the donuts. So says the New York Times. The New York Times had this story over the weekend. The Dunkin' Donuts or Dunkin' Brands, I guess, is what it's called now. The parent company uh, is in talks to get taken out by a private equity company, Inspire Brands. The price in question was a dollar and one dollar six, and well, I can't speak one hundred six dollars and fifty cents is the reported takeout
2: price for DNKM. I think they should change that commercial. Time to make some dough. Holy mackerel. Uh, Up $15.91. Uh, Jason talked about this three, four weeks ago because his daughter liked the, what was that, shake or something? And then some, uh, some Instagram guy was using it. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I'm not gonna remember what you can't remember what it was. What it was. <laughs> I mean, the eyeball test on 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 these uh these fast food restaurants and these drive-ins. I mean, that's all you need to do is you go by these places and the lines are you know the the care. I don't know what it, maybe they're not open inside, so everyone's outside, but just you know, you drive and run in an errand or something and that's what people are doing. They're stopping and dunking. They're getting their donuts. They're getting their coffee. Uh, it did. It looks like the street has pretty good uh, faith that this is going to happen. Uh, traded over one oh six briefly. Uh, what do we get to when we got the initial news? It was that was probably uh, what, just over one oh six. So. I don't know. It doesn't look like 106.49 is what you got into. You haven't heard any uh, official announcement yet. So if you're holding out for a better price or you're holding out uh, for another suitor, perhaps, I don't know. I mean, how many times have you seen the initial reaction in these things pretty much give you the high? So if you want to stay in it, the only thing is, is like, what if Duncan says no? I don't want to be acquired for 106 bucks, you know, then it goes back down and you'll see if someone comes in, but I don't know what more you can ask for. It's holding up here at 104.99. Who else have they bought? Uh Spencer, we were talking uh, they, about this. They've all
1: bought the Wild Wings. That was back in 2017, I think, maybe 2016. They own RB's, they took them out. Um so yeah, they've got a few Sonic they own, Jimmy Johns, uh the all these food if you if it does feel like all these fast casual chains are slowly but surely going private equity remember Panera got yes out, that's
2: right yeah. uh, a
1: different firm, but it just seems like in a few years all of these chains are gonna be owned by a private equity company so uh
2: I've never had sonic i would i would if they were publicly traded I would issue a downgrade to Panera okay um uh, I've gotten some sandwiches there since they did that merger yeah. And uh, they're very skimpy on the. Uh, I actually had to call and complain last time. I'm like, "What are you doing here? You're giving me like, uh, you know, a little sliver of turkey or something." So downgrade on that. Uh, I mean, this is just a hot sector. I mean, I saw Mickey D's trading down two dollars. Obviously, no one's going to be you know taking out Mickey D's. Uh, but you know, QSR. I mean, yeah, these, are, mean, st- yeah, these yeah, I, are stocks I would not be short.
1: Starbucks too. I Duncan doesn't really have any any peers close Starbucks. I mean all
2: these stocks though, McDonald's, Starbucks, they've all been they they've all been hot, really hot. Starbucks is too expensive for me. I mean, you know, four or five bucks for and, uh, and also they wouldn't give me a free coffee on my birthday because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't like in their, their bonus club or whatever, but, uh, Starbucks, I think a little bit different trading down a buck for eighty nine seventy eight some good, good resistance over the last four or five set going back here to what's this earlier in the month. What's that high you hit? You hit like 91, nine, 91, just over 91. You got a little resistance. Uh and are are sinking back towards the lows of the session here. Not a good sign heading into the open. Let's just uh, remember last week's low. Uh, that came in at 340250. Oh, and I sure hope I don't have to adjust my numbers. That's the lowest number I have on my sheet for today.
1: Yeah, I should mention here that our guest today will be Gene Munster, uh, founding partner at Loop Ventures. He will join us at 8 to 35 to preview the earnings parade that is later in the week. That includes all the big names, includes Microsoft tomorrow, includes Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and more on Thursday, Uh, Twitter also Thursday. So that's what we'll do with Gene when he comes on uh, in about 20 minutes Let's go to EVs and SPACs. There is one less SPAC on the board this morning, Joel. Uh, That was DPHC was the old ticker. The new one is RIDE. This is Lordstown Motors. Remember, Workhorse, WKHS owns a 10% stake in this company. So this is now the third, I believe, electric vehicle SPAC merger to go through this year after Nikola and Hylion. There are still... Five more, I believe, on the board that have yet to yet to complete. But a ride did complete. The merger went through.
2: Lordstown is now publicly traded. What's been the trend with these things, right? I mean, you, you were you have first live you know live experience in these things, right? Trading it, buying it, selling it. Look at that Hillion. I just. I would be nervous on these things. And uh, I don't know if Mitch is around, but we were talking about it with him. uh, When these companies actually come in to be a real company, then you got to open up the real books and you got to show real profits. And it's been tough. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know about stepping in these things and what ride has come down right already. So maybe that the trend is over uh, with these things. They had their nice... They're nice rallies. Uh, I'm not in any of them. So, Spencer, you you gotten a pop off this one. You have better experience than I do in this one. So. I, I, would,
1: I would just say re- remember the purpose that special purpose acquisition companies serve, right? R- remember why this method of going public exists. It exists because it is faster, it is cheaper, it is more convenient, and is easier. For companies to go public and enter the public markets it is just easier it takes less time the traditional IPO process uh, you know you hack your roadshow and you and 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 all this stuff and you got to pitch yourself to all to all these banks and I have underwriters uh, the the spec process is much faster uh, and it, it, it's much less onerous right it's just easier and the other side of that equation is you maybe don't get the real due diligence due diligence yep. that, that you would have had. If a company was ipo like there's no s1 right for these companies right so uh they're they're just merging and then you, f- you flip the switch and boom open the books they're public so just remember that there may not be the due diligence but at some point uh, you know as we were talking about before we came on today at some point the valuation has to at least try and match up a little bit with with what's underneath right what's under the hood so we saw this with hylion we saw with nicola uh, Ride is now public. I, I mentioned there are five more that are in play. Those are Fisker, which is merging with SPAQ. We have Quantum Scape merging with KCAC. We have Canoe merging with HCHC. These are very oh, annoying. We had SPAC. Oh my lord. You've got XL Fleet merging with P-I-C, and you've got Romeo Power merging with RMG. So, and those are all very. Th- those are manufacturers of trucks, of cars, of batteries. They're all in the EV space, um, and I. I mean, as we've talked about it, the trade the trade has been off. First of all, but second of all, the trend has been to just buy it in the run up, and definitely don't be holding it through the merger. Although last I checked, ride
2: was up today. Did Workhorse go? Was that a was that a spec too? No no, no. no, they just kind of caught this wave. Yeah. Then the, uh, I mean, well, that, that one has a legitimate catalyst coming for it. Right? right. 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 So I think that's a whole different story that you have to, you know, take in uh, perspective if they do get that contract, but uh, these other things, like I said, I mean, you guys have talked about them a lot and uh, you know, it's my show, but I still let you talk about them because I just, I don't know. They're interested. People made a lot of money in them, but For me, I just, I don't understand them. I don't understand the risk reward. And when I look at some of these charts, I mean, if you catch it on the way up and you sell it on the way up, then it's a whole different story. If you catch it on the way down, you need a bounce and you're healing on that was a tough trade, Spencer. I have to say you handled that well, because I know you went on vacation and I know you use your protective stops, and then I know you came back, and you, you know, you ended up getting at a price. and Ended up running like to fifty afterwards, right?
1: Yeah, I buy some sellers' remorse for a few days. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I mean, you don't always see the right side of the chart. You don't know where it's going to end up going. So, uh, hey, uh, who was it? J.P.
1: Morgan that said I made all my money by selling too soon. So there we <laughs> go. I sold exactly. too
2: soon. Yep. All right, let's uh let's move on. I mean, the whole EV thing. I mean, you want stock? I think here and uh, full disclosure, I owned a few puts in this one. Uh, NIO. I mean, this this was old J.P. Morgan. This was all. Hey, our price target. What was it? Twenty eight bucks or thirty bucks or something? Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, it got up. It oh, got yeah. over that, and now it's starting to fall back. I mean. Who knows where, you know, what news is going to come out on this, but uh, I don't like that chart. And you know what another chart I don't like? I don't like Tesla. I yeah. don't like this chart at all. We know that. <laughs> well, we'll see what Gene says. Gene will come in and talk to us on this, but yep. it didn't, it, it had the upgrade a little over a week ago or two weeks ago or the price target raise. It made the high of the move on that. And then it just it didn't move the needle off earnings. So if they have a surprise announcement coming or they have something under the hood that we don't know about, uh, then we'll turn around and rally. But uh, right now, that trading range that we have been talking about on the show here, for quite some time, you're at the bottom of the trading range. You know, we talk about make or break days. We, we actually talked about that in Tesla when it had the earnings day. Uh, 405 was your low here. I think you got down to 407 in change. So, um, I, I mean, if it breaks out above here, above this area right here, then boom, 500, 500 and beyond. But look how long It's held that trading range between 405 and 465. And then if you if you like even carve it out a little bit more, because I'm looking at the extremes, uh, you know, look how much stock is let's say traded between here. Let's get one. Oh, that's a lot of lines for me. That's most most lines I've ever done in the chart. Look how much stock is traded here. All you know, you throw out the high, you throw out the low. Look how much is traded between 452. Or four, yeah, 452 and 422. And I think the high from Friday was right in that area as well. What was the high on Friday? Uh, four, 422.89. So that's it. That's about as deep a look at Tesla as you're going to get. s down thirty-five seventy-five thirty-four sixteen.
1: Tesla also came out, I think they had a headline this morning that they're increasing their CapEx for the next two years. Uh, all right, let's go to earnings here. We had Mattel on Friday. It was Friday, right? Pretty sure it was Friday. Maybe yes. It's Thursday afternoon, Friday morning. We had Mattel then. We have Hasbro this morning. Uh, Mattel, huge rally off there. Gave doctor. it back, yeah. Gave, gave it back. Hasbro uh, really – you you that's that's a pop and a drop in Hasbro here. the, the earnings per share for the third quarter in a Hasbro, a dollar eighty-eight cents versus a dollar sixty-two cents. Sales one point seven eight versus one point seven three billion dollars. So a beat and a beat on the headline numbers. Um like I said, a pop and a drop.
2: Big big drop here. Uh the stock just oh got way overdone. Boy, it was up more than six bucks here uh got up to ninety five forty nine that's history now uh kinda in no man's land here but if i if I had a few shekels in uh in this stock either on the long side or the short side, this would be my area right here boom eighty six bucks right or a little bit higher than that well this is called eighty six Right. You had the move up to 90. It came down. You had a little bit of undercut of 86. Then you hit it one, two, three, four times, rallied up in the earnings. So on the upside, I'm sure a lot of people, if they bought it at 90, you know, anywhere over the last two, three, four weeks, would love to see that close at 92 even. Uh 91 fills the gap from Friday's session. So I'll call that whole area ninety-one, ninety-two resistance and uh below eighty-six on this thing. Uh Look out! Look out on the downside. They kind of did the Mattel. Uh, what Mattel ended up doing during the trading session, they kind of did that in the pre-market. So look at Mattel finishing near no, you know, the low of the session. You're already through Friday's low in this one. So get down to lower thirteens, and uh, you'll be uh, you'll be filling the gap. In this line that I had right here that I drew on uh, Friday, I think because of the earnings, I had that line that all oh, that monthly resistance just under fifteen. And if you were paying, taking paying attention and taking notes, uh, fourteen eighty two—that uh, was your high on Friday. I like that line. I'm going to keep that one in there.
1: You had just a little bit of volume this morning in Hasbro at four. Yeah, four, it's a wild five.
2: stock. Yeah. Yeah, but but like, who's buying this thing at ninety five dollars ahead of the report? You know. Should I do a little dentist here? If you're buying this at ninety five dollars, you're doing it wrong yeah i mean <laughs> it's it's buy the dip and sell the rip that's a rip that's not a dip where whether he'd be sticking his neck out here to buy it at 89 44 it's kind of in the middle of no man's land and already through friday's low but uh let's just look a little longer term on this one uh yeah. pointy control for bulls here is definitely definitely 86 bucks
1: all right uh Kind of a quiet morning on the earnings front. It's, I mean, money, Monday mornings aren't typically super busy uh, for earnings, but w- the for the rest of the week here, I'll just redo a bunch of names. Today, after the close, we get Twilio. Uh, I think – do we get Google today? I thought I saw that on, on my list uh, I don't think I saw Google.
2: I think Google later in the week. Uh,
1: let me actually okay. confirm that because I'm not sure when Google is. Uh, Google is – yeah, okay, so Google's Thursday. So, I'm, all right. Uh, Twilio today, NXPI today, Chegg, tomorrow morning is, is the, the, the Dow names Pfizer, 3M, Caterpillar, Lily, Merck. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, Microsoft, AMD. We've got UPS on Wednesday, Boeing on Wednesday, GE on Wednesday, Fiverr on Wednesday. Um, Visa Wednesday afternoon, uh, Pinterest, we got an upgrade today. We should talk about that. Their Wednesday after the close. Let's look at Pinterest here, Joel.
2: Uh, what's upgrade. there to look at? I um, mean, was this thing an, is or an or absolute beast. Uh, what it was, was it? There's a price target raised to $60 at KeyBank. I mean, you could, sometimes you just get really run over, you know, fading these things, right? And uh, it did get up. I mean, that's an upgrade after the that capped up just off the snap earnings, right? Yep. Oh, boy, oh boy! And they're gonna and they're gonna have a um a high bar to fill, right? You yep. know, a high bar to clear. So, oh, man, me if I was long this thing. Maybe I just put a stop under 50 and try not to think about it. If I was like, really, like if I came in long, some calls that were in the money, I'd say, Ben, this thing better get to 54.89. And that was your pre-market high. And then only thing you can use on this thing is like whole numbers, half and whole numbers. It's a New York stock, right? So you can look at the book and see if... Uh, If, you know, if there's more stock at these levels, because that's like the only thing. It's already traded 304,000 shares gap on the downside. I mean, this is that, this is the gap that Jeremy said would never be filled. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this one.
1: Yeah. Wish I was long it. What else? Uh, I mentioned Pinterest that that was for Wednesday. Thursday morning is Shopify and Twitter. Oh, Moderna. That'll be big. Thursday morning.
2: Ah, uh, Moderna is more, uh, you know, drugs. You know what? Yeah, they I got? know, but
1: but yeah. are they are they going to say anything about the vaccine? That's what I want to know. Thursday morning, and then we mentioned, of course, the big day Thursday afternoon. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Starbucks, on Thursday, Friday, Exxon Mobile and Chevron, and Honeywell. You know,
2: I, you guys. And and I've said this before, and I think it does have an impact. I think, you know, obviously earnings are the most important fundamentals for stocks. But I think you got a lot of other things going on right now. And you know how, like, sometimes you say, oh, the stock reported on a bad day. I mean, this is a bad day. You know, you're having earnings. I just think with what you have happening on Tuesday, what you have happening with the virus, yeah, stocks, and they're going to move these earnings. But I think right now, for as long as we've been on, you know, doing the show and covering the show here, you know, the macro here, you know, what what's going to happen on Tuesday? I think that's one of your uh, bigger determinant. I mean, earnings are always important, but man, oh, man, big day, big day on Tuesday.
1: We are a week away. Can't come soon enough, right,
2: We're a week away from the election, but are we a week away from an outcome? I mean, that's the big question. And I don't even want to, I don't want to speculate on that. Let's just hope we we have one way or another, we have a a clear cut winner, you know, Tuesday night and Wednesday, and then we can just move on and evaluate markets on their, their own merits instead of worrying about the election. Yeah, all right.
1: 829 here. We're going to be joined by Gene Munster in five to six minutes here on Premarks and Uh Did you see other ratings? I didn't really see too many of note. Uh, I saw a note from Raymond James on the Home Milders this morning. So uh, so Toll Brothers, Pulte, DHI, all upgraded from Raymond James to buy. What else did I see? That was kind of it uh, for, for interesting ratings. I tell you,
2: if you, you want a positive, it's it's this chart right here it's the it's the stock market right it's the the yeah. housing sector yeah. just think about what the housing sector supports you know that your your construction your home depots your lows your home furnishings there's so many things that are tied tied to the housing market so if i had to like pick out like why are you super bullish long term i would say because the housing sector is strong and it doesn't look like it's getting weak anytime soon Interest rates are low, a lot of different things going on. So if I had to pick out, you know, like one one silver lining and everything that's going on, it's the strength of the housing market and certainly don't see interest rates going up anytime soon.
1: Uh no. No, we don't. Thank thank you. the Fed has said that actually. So we, we we can be reasonably Yeah. Yeah. I said it,
2: but it's a little uh, more important than Jerome, Jerome Powell. Jerome
1: Powell has said it on several occasions, therefore. We- Chewy forever, baby. Yep. All right. Uh let's do a couple of tickers from the chat before we go to our guest here, Genie Monster. Let's look at Roku. This is from Roman D. No, this is from Goldman 2021 in the Benzinger Pro Chat.
2: Um who was I talking to? Or was it a guest on the show? Someone said that, well, I could get it, you can get this, but everything, but on Roku. Do you remember what was that a uh-huh. guest? HBO. Or was that with someone I was talking with? I don't know.
1: Were they talking about HBO Max? Because you can't, you cannot get HBO Max. Was that
2: it? Do we have yeah. somebody on talking about that?
1: I mean, I, my- I've talked about it myself on several occasions, so
2: it could have been me. But okay, all right. Well, here, uh, Roku. Uh, full disclosure, no position. Uh, but if I was long this thing, I would just be keeping an eye right here. I mean, how much more obvious can the charts get than that, right? You had the gap, was it off earnings? Would it had that gap and go, or it was an upgrade? I can't remember if Roku had earnings already. Can no. you help me out on that one? No. no, no, uh, what date? Sorry, uh, why did it have the gap and go on October 9th?
1: No, no, that was not earnings.
2: What was it, an upgrade or something?
1: Um, that was. Oh, the, they they launched on on the Amazon uh, Fire. How
2: about October thirteenth? What was it? What was the reason for that?
1: Well, like I said, they launched- is it all
2: file through on that.
1: They launched on the Amazon Fire on no, that was the week before. I don't.
2: I don't you I, don't, know? I don't know? Okay. About. Just just keep an eye on this, folks. I mean, how much more obvious can you be? You're still you're only trading down a buck ninety six to two twenty two. You've had a tremendous run on this stock. You made your all time high just under two forty. Uh, you tried a little retracement. Uh, you can figure your 50% retracement here too. What was your high? Your high was uh two. This is called 239. You came down to 216, what 2636, 23 point move at 12. That makes you that makes you 228, 230. Your two day high comes in at 229.45. Love it. I love us a, a look at that. I think you get any. I don't even call it 228, 228 and a half. I think you have sellers coming out of the woodwork here after this major run. And uh, and then that low under 216.26. Then you gotta, you know, if you're a gap-filled trader, then you'll be happy with 1426. If you if I was had time to draw a steep trend line, that's been broken, right? And now you can get a little trend line coming off these tops as too. So uh Roku down, but not out. I think
1: we get asked about these uh, one of these two stocks every day, and those are Penn and DraftKings. We are asked about Penn here this morning. Um, these charts don't quite look the same, but they look kind of similar in the fact in the way that they're both out of favor right now.
2: Yep, mm, I don't know. Uh, big old level here. I'll tell you for penn we obviously the DKD uh, uh dkng we've been talking about this forty dollar level you got down there two days ago you got a bounce maybe you're safe here and the only thing is is if you have an undercut you know you take out the forty stops you take out the thirty nine ninety stops you go down to thirty nine seventy five boom and you turn around and rally so there's a potential really like to see that 40, 43 hold uh for uh for pen for you penn uh shareholders traders man oh man you have a low at 6137 on friday you had a low at 61.62 on thursday you go back here you had a uh a pair of lows or uh, another low at uh mm, nothing under that 6137 perhaps you're looking at uh 59.41 down a buck 30. Uh, bearing down on that double bottom uh, from the end of last week. Uh, SPs, it kind of feel a little buyers coming in here. Uh, Tried to get down to that low of the pre market session and now holding up at 34.18 and a quarter.
1: All right. It is almost actually just about 835. I want to bring on our guest now, Gene Munster. He is the managing partner at Loop Ventures. I'm trying to unmute him and bring on his uh camera so we can see there we go gene good morning good
3: morning i've uh just having a zoom moment here my uh my daughter was playing around with uh some of the filters last night
1: yeah i that's see what that a four-year-old
3: yeah. can do and as i turn zoom on this morning
1: where where are where you I right am. now that's what i want to know. well uh
3: apparently as i'm looking at this it looks like i have a dog that we don't have we do have an imaginary dog in our home named apollo And I suspect that she's doing something around there. So uh, thank you for uh, doing this. Normally we'd have the loop background as part of this, but uh, we go on on the couch. This is better.
1: This is better. This is better.
3: Uh, All right, uh, Gene, I want to ask you of all the earnings reports
1: we're going to get this week, which one are you most excited for?
3: Apple, because I think it's really going to lay the groundwork as this company is being a leader in the digital revolution, this transformation. I think that some of the metrics we're going to see around iPhone 12, I think is going to be uh, comfort investors that despite what I think is lackluster demand for the 5G feature, that there is this wave of, uh, of uh, buyers, call it uh, about 40% of the base that is probable to upgrade over the next year plus for Apple. So I think that just uh, comforting investors around the Apple story, I have uh, long believed that this company should get a fair multiple relative to the other tech companies. And I think if the uh, some of the early indications about iPhone 12 that we could hear this week, I think if it lays that groundwork, that should be positive for the multiple. So I think that Apple stands out. Also keep an eye on what's going on with their Mac and their iPad business. It's about 22% of total sales, but that has been up into the right. Surprisingly, uh, last month, I guess it was September, they had raised the price of their iPad Air by 20%, something that historically they don't do. They usually maintain prices. uh, But I think it's a sign that that iPad business is doing great. So I think when we put it all together, we've talked a lot about Apple over the years, and I still believe that this is going to be the top performing bang. And I think that this week is going to be further indications of that. What kind of numbers specifically from the iPhone are you you looking for? Well, it's just more about indications how iPhone 12 is starting to ramp. And so it would just be early uh, feedback. It was going to come in the form of what their guidance is for iPhone or for their overall business. They don't guide by segment in December. So I suspect that the street is going to triangulate somewhere around 5-ish percent growth for iPhone for December. It's expected to be about flat for the September quarter, was down fractionally in the June quarter. So I think that that trend, as you kind of uh, uh, start to triangulate the curve out of the pandemic here, I think will be viewed as positive. So it's more about what they're gonna say in December versus what they're gonna report in the September quarter. And uh, ultimately, obviously the comps get easier for every company next year, but uh, I think in particular for Apple, you're gonna see a nice lift in the iPhone business. Uh, We're on the line
2: with Gene Munster. He's the founder of Loop Ventures, uh, formerly managing director at Piper Jaffrey, Piper Sandler now. So you've been talking about the multiple for Apple going up for a long time, right? I mean, this is not just something, it's just like not a new revelation. And it has started to come up. I mean, it was low. It was really low. So now it's starting to come up. I mean, I know we're not going to get like some of these crazy valuations that you see in Zoomer, but what or whatever. But what what would be a valuation where you would say, okay, they overshot on the downside for so long, they're now overshooting on the upside. Where where would you say that would be as far as evaluation goes?
3: I would like to ask, uh, answer slightly different questions. What do I think that this should trade at? And ultimately, you know, we've talked about parity, and that's been a kind of important theme over the years as we've talked about this, this multiple. And we're more or less there. If you throw out Amazon and Netflix, we're more or less at parity with Google, Microsoft and and Facebook. But I think that um, this piece about hardware has always been this negative aspect to the multiple. And I think it is scar tissue from what happened with Nokia and rim. And ultimately, I think that that should be a positive. And if you think about those big tech companies and think about what they bring to the table, Apple's the only one that has both the uh, hardware, software, and services. I mean, it's an overused theme, but it is true and it's a big deal. And so when I put that together, I think it should trade at a premium to the group. If you're going to say, what is that today? What's that valuation today? I think it's something around 35 times next, uh, uh, would be 35 times next year's numbers. And so how, when I think about playing that through to the stock is uh I think in 2022, we're gonna be uh, probably at right around five and a half dollars in earnings, something like that. And in 2021, so six, nine months now, we're gonna be talking about the 2022 numbers. And so if you kind of piece all that together, you can uh, comfortably get to this $200 uh, $200 price target. And so uh, I feel that 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 is the, the piece where we're a contrarian here is this uh, view that ultimately software and hardware, the combination, should be a premium multiple?
1: Uh, Gene, regarding uh, Tesla here, uh, they were they came out they they reaffirmed their delivery guidance for the year. Uh, talked about you know th- profitable for the fifth, fifth quarter in a row. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from from Tesla's news? And and then I want to ask you about batteries after that.
3: The traditional auto is in a tight spot and. This uh, the basic concept is the margins. If you look at what happened with their margins, they uh, exceeded expectations by 300 basis points on the auto gross margins. And why that's important is that is essentially the the, the substance of how they can continue to uh, lower price. Since they're getting more manufacturing efficiencies, uh, they can continue to inch price down. If they do that, and they talked about uh, you know kind of sharing the benefit of the profitability. With both the investor and the customer, the the new customer, but if they continue to inch price down on the new car, uh, not their some of their software, they're raising the price on some of their software, but if they inch the price down on the on the car itself, I think it just gets more and more difficult for traditional auto. Uh, we refer to it as this catch twenty two, and we got more evidence of that. And that's what the story comes down to the next five years: is can Tesla hold off the traditional auto? It's a Topic I know we we've discussed for a long time and uh, you're looking at a fraction of market share today, but in the EV space they're doing uh, a, a really solid job, 80 percent market share in U.S. EVs. So that was the biggest takeaway for me from the the call. Are you looking at other areas of the EV market though? Where we've
1: talked about Asia, of course. There are there's the battery side of the equation with, with new companies going public like uh, Romeo Power and QuantumScape. Are are you looking at 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 these these areas?
3: Uh, we are Yes, we are. And their, their market share diminishes significantly when you get outside of the U.S. Uh, in Europe and Asia more recently, it's kind of in that 20 to 25 percent range. So it's still meaningful. Um, so to answer your question is uh, they don't have as good market share outside of the U.S. and the U.S. is just one piece of the overall 90 million vehicles a year. I I believe if you uh, here's kind of one, just some quick math with uh, regards to uh, Tesla is that if you uh, right now call it 80 percent share in the U.S. We talked about other way in the globally. But if you assume they get to 20 percent share globally of the car market, I mean, that's a big number. That's more than GM has. But call it 10 years from now. This is the bull case. Uh, And you assume a thirty some thousand dollar price, you get about 700 billion in revenue. If you look at Apple's business now, to to draw too close a comparison to the companies is dangerous because they're very different cultures. And, uh, you know, one is a proven cash printing machine with Apple. So, but just to give a sense about uh, Apple trades, it has a hardware software business similar to Tesla in that respect and trades at about six and a half times uh, revenue. So, um, you know, you have a 400 plus, 400 ish billion dollar market cap for Tesla. So I think that. Uh, there's a big opportunity there uh Spencer I answered a different question than you asked there, but uh is relevant when I think about the importance of the global market share now Gene, I know
2: you like to focus on the fundamentals on the earnings on the you know what the company's actually doing uh but I think every once in a while you got a glance at a chart and you look at the you look at Tesla here, and this I have not seen a period of consolidation in this in quite some time here. Now, the trend is up in the stock, right? So a trend, uptrend in the stock, you have consolidations. A consolidation to move higher here. As far as your one, you know, your longer term projections, you know, one, two, three year projections, you know, did Tesla maybe go a little too much too fast or for your, let's say for your one year target, is this about where, you know, you think it should be trading at from from a price standpoint?
3: Yes, I think that that's an important piece here is that you know you look at the long-term versus the near-term. The near-term, there's a lot of evidence, as you said, that this just isn't sustainable, that the psychology around this is not sustainable. Investors have made a lot of money in the stock, and uh, you know I, I think that it's uh, more difficult for me to imagine this continuing to go vertical, just there isn't a historical precedence to it. So the way we like to think about it is that if you're uh, in a, a story in a stock owning a company for a year, Um, You can toss a coin what to do with Tesla because it's just this could be down 20 percent in three weeks time. Uh, But I think if you take the approach of a a more of an investing approach, a two to five to 10 year kind of approach, we still think there's value here.
1: Uh, Gene, a question from our chat here on Bitcoin. I know you invest (laughs) in, in many things. Is that one of them?
3: Uh, unfortunately not. I'm not going to be the person to talk to you. All I can say about Bitcoin is the Tesla chart looks a lot like Bitcoin used to, Uh, (laughs) but beyond that, uh, I'm not your person. All right. Uh, I want to ask you about Google here. I guess the only
1: modern precedent to a DOJ antitrust, uh, tech lawsuit of this kind is Microsoft from the late nineties. Uh, any reason investors should, should give pause here, or do you think this is, this will end up being just a bump in the road?
3: think it's going to, uh, there is some reason for pause. I think it can have a negative impact on the multiple as we kind of figured this out. And it probably will take some time, a year plus. And so I think that it kind of comes back to a little bit on the, the Tesla story too, is that if, if you have this approach of wanting to own something that has more upside in the near term, I think Google's, it's a little bit of a wild card. When you play out the two different avenues that could go more specifically about the Department of Justice and the uh, the suit that was filed last week, is that there's there's a case that this could actually be good for Google. It sounds bizarre and backwards. We could get into it. But um, I think that Google is a company to own longer term. But over the next year, because of this antitrust and just unanswered questions typically are not good for multiples, then that should be something investors should consider.
1: Are you referring to the fact that they would have to sell off assets uh, what the
3: you- the the, uh, the where it could be a positive form is if they uh, are limited to how much they pay for traffic acquisition and so it's a you know it's a sizable part of their expenses call it 10% of their expenses and this is the part that was uh, brought into question about their relationship with Apple and having uh, default within uh, Safari and they have other relationships like that with Firefox and other publishers where they basically pay to have Google is the default. Um, so that was one of the things that was brought up. In the end, most consumers, if given the option, would switch back to Google. We've seen it in other countries, in Russia was the index. And so I think that they, uh, there's an opportunity for, uh, if Google has said you can't really pay for placement, this, I think this probability is very low this happens, but if in fact they're told they can't pay as much for traffic acquisition, I think it's a near-term negative, but the uh, consumers ultimately just go and figure out how to do their their settings in their browser and, and switch the default back to Google.
1: I guess on that same note, uh, are there any, in your view, realistic antitrust concerns anyone should have about any of these companies, whether it's Apple or Facebook or Amazon? Because we know they're all sort of in the crosshairs here.
3: They are. I think uh Google is I think there's another piece that uh is a little bit more sinister with their business just in terms of how they do placements of ads and they prioritize YouTube and, and Google Maps, for example, and Google shopping results. And so I think there is something there longer term just in terms of how they rank those. And okay. so that's part of this year of trying to figure out what's going on in antitrust. So I think there is something there. Then also I think what's going on in Facebook. And uh, you know, Facebook is unfortunately, just caught up in this vortex of not just the business and the antitrust side, but also there's this intense political uh, story that goes, uh, that runs through it. And so uh, I think that uh, they are at risk as well. And what the substance of what that, what could happen is Facebook's business model is to uh, really create this incredible network. I mean, it's basically one out of every three people in the world use Facebook monthly, some one of their properties. And the kind of bolt on up and coming uh, platforms, uh, products that are getting exciting. Last big one, obviously, was Instagram. And so to the extent that they're uh, limited at doing that, that's kind of the talk is that they can't uh, uh, some of their ability to acquire big companies may be uh, compromised. That would be negative for the story longer term.
2: Gene, you cover all the big dogs, and uh, and we cover them. And people like to hear about these stocks, but uh, we we also discussed some other stocks here. And and one that uh, you talked about, I did some research. I've been in for a while, and uh, LTHM. It's kind of all over the map. I know you were you had a bullish stance on it a while ago. I just wanted to get your current thoughts on Livencorp
3: so i 'm still positive, and this they are a lithium mining operation they're based in the u s They mine around the world and part of the reason is that uh, I just think that, is, is you, that one of the biggest bottlenecks to batteries is uh, cell density and being able to basically produce cells produce battery cells and Tesla talked about it on the call, and so uh, it's, even though it 's not a, a pretty um, Uh, You know, a a shiny business, you know, lithium mining isn't particularly shiny. I think that the concept of what they're doing and you just think about Tesla alone, let alone the rest of the auto industry, I think well run mines, I think still have a place. It is all over the place. I don't want to put a price target on it. I do want to say they are squarely an arms supplier to the arms race. All right, and
2: uh, one more, and then I got one macro question for you. How about Jemiah? The stock had a, a major run and then came back down to earth. Unbelievable consolidation at the $8 area and now working its way back. you have any
3: uh, current comments on Jamiah
1: Tech? Gene, we get asked about this one all the time, so tell us okay. what, we can, what we can tell them.
3: <laughs> I, I do own the stock. Uh, I own it for the long term, for the next 10 years, and so I think that's some important context here is it is, um, you know, speaking of vortexes, this is a day traders uh, dream kind of a story. And uh, I just kind of tried to to separate myself from that. Uh, First question, is this a real company? And I believe that it is. Uh, There's been this uh, Citron report and they've more recently, I think part of the move higher in the stock has been, uh, I believe they've been negative and they've become more positive. Uh, or not as negative, which I guess incrementally is positive. I think that's what's kind of accounted for this bounce back. Uh, the way we think about it is uh, we have some pattern recognition here with some of the work we did in China uh, 15 years ago around e-commerce, companies like 360 Buy, which became JD.com. Uh, we covered Mercado Libre in Latin America. And, and when, we've, when we've looked at uh, Jumia, we've seen some of uh, those same uh, kind of patterns about uh, frauds on the platform and, and some uh, disillusionment from U.S. investors. There seems to be a lot of the same similarities. I want to caution is that um, I'm not, uh, I, I uh, need to disclose I do own the stock. I, I do not have like an official endorsement of it. I've, uh, I need to say all the, the proper things there because I nice. uh, haven't done uh, the extent of the work, the real work when we really get behind the name we go and and meet with their customers and spend time with their management team uh that is uh been prohibited uh recently and so uh i i would say that uh i've seen this before uh uh this could be a bigger company but i i do not want to go i do not want to face this around
2: okay just uh one last question for you here uh you know the the fundamentals of companies always come down to the earnings uh but when you have macro events like we have on Tuesday um, in the market, how do you how do you put the blinders on? And I'm not looking for like a, a political statement at all. But like when these kind of times here where, you know, the macro what's what's happening can really overshadow, you know, what what individual stocks are doing and what individuals reporting. How do you like put that out of your mind and just stay focused on the numbers and the stuff you, you study?
3: We, we have this uh, grounding word, which is transformation. We uh, look for transformation, companies that are changing the world, changing the way humans live. And uh, that that has been something that has kind of allowed us to step through some of the noise. And so um, there's, there's a valuation question around transformative companies tend to be higher valued. But uh, that is where we kind of keep anchoring ourselves back to is that, um, you know, these Uh, not a good situation that's going on in the world right now. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, 6, 12, 24 months from now, we're going to be back to a a more stable place. And I think that um, you want to invest in companies that benefit on both ends, on both uh, a more difficult world and uh, uh, when things more stabilize. And so those are those transformative companies. And that's where we spend our time doing our work. All
1: right. Gene Munster, uh, as we've mentioned, is managing partner at Loop Ventures. Uh, Gene, we've kept you a while. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so Gene. We Thank really you.
3: appreciate it. Yep. Had fun. Bye for now. All
2: right. Uh, take care of that dog
3: behind you while you're in. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right.
1: Uh 854 here. We definitely kept Gene for a while. We appreciate it. Yeah,
2: we did. And, you know, I just, that's one thing. That's one unique aspect of our show is that, you know, when we get quality guests on like that, you know, we, you know, we take the time and ask them a lot of questions. I know we didn't uh, get to all your uh, your individual issues, but uh, just a real veteran of Wall Street here. And um, just want to yeah. want you all to appreciate uh, the quality of guests you get here on uh, Pre-Market prep.
1: All right. So last week we saw the Gap rally on its investor day and I swore I was going to start keeping track of this stuff. So I wrote down a couple of investor days happening this week just in case. We see the same thing. Uh, Kroger is having an investor day tomorrow. Some, investor day slash presentation. Kroger is tomorrow. Bed Bath and Beyond is Wednesday, and Viva VEV are Thursday. Those are the three on my radar. Mostly just Kroger tomorrow and Bed Bath on Wednesday. How oh,
2: Spencer? Like how? Like are you like getting long? Expecting them no. to say something good? I, or?
1: I'm just getting it out there because I don't want to get caught flat footed like I got last week, where I had no idea that the, the gap was going to move like it did on right. an in the industry. comments. Well, I'm just getting it out there that bed bath. If, if the gap is, uh, you know, four shows, anything, then then maybe bed bath is one to watch today and tomorrow, Wednesday. Cause we, they have, uh, we've talked about Kroger on this show here in the past couple of weeks. So just have that on your radar as well. So Kroger tomorrow, bed bath Wednesday, that's what's on my radar and I'm not going to get caught.
2: Uh, Flat footed like I, like I did last week. On, on- I get the investor day information out of like Barrons and stuff. Do you just uh do you uh, go through Pro to get that information, yeah, Spencer? Yeah,
1: it, it's it, there. There's always a headline. So anything that's moving, right? It's going to be in Pro if it's moving. If it's not moving, then then potentially not. But there's usually going to be a headline at least just saying that there's going to be an investor day, and they'll have a link to the actual presentation there. Uh, but if it doesn't move, it doesn't move. Then what do you can do? You know? Um, yeah, my
2: I mean, I do pay some attention to that. Um, I, I just you know are they going to say something bad you know what i mean you know sometimes they do no you know uh but you know usually i just kind of look like those investor days and also like with the conference calls and stuff I've, i've read that you know that the ceos and the people that are on the conference calls are you know changing watching their language and stuff so it's important to follow uh but um not like you know putting a lot of money on on what they say yes. all right spencer three minutes to go did we cover everything on the doc here or do we want to uh go to the chat what do you want to do to wrap I'll, up I'll, here
1: we'll go to the chat real fast jess h i'm talking about in the benzingo pro newsfeed. you can find it there should also be a, a calendar i believe in in the calendar widget for uh investor uh, presentations, I believe. At, at the very least, uh, there may there may not be a calendar, but there's definitely in the news feed that there will be headlines if you search for the ticker, and there will be a headline with a link to the investor day. There, uh, you can also go to the IR website, right? Investor the investor relations website for any company, and you can try to find the dates there. Uh, let's go to the chat. Like I mentioned. I haven't been able to keep a, a close eye on the chat today, so I'm sure I've missed okay. a lot of your tickers. I apologize in advance.
2: What about here? Um, why is Jemaya trading up a stick? Why do you, I mean. Was she, that?
1: I mean, could it be
2: Gene? I don't know. I don't know. I think no. It was trading up before that. Uh, I let you're really savvy if you know that Gene's coming on. I'm going to ask him about it, but uh, I don't think that crowd's that savvy. Uh, 1974, uh, that's your pre-market high. Not seeing what news is behind that. It got up there a second time. It was turned back in 1973. So not only for today, but, you know, moving forward, I will keep an eye on that level. Not much there on the dailies, uh, on the dailies. Uh, 1894 is a level that came into play on August 11th. You did come all the way back and fill the gap on that. So, Higher highs, uh, higher lows for the most part, and higher closes. So nice string here. Uh, use that for today. I'd be using that 1970 as a potential target on so, the upside. So
1: what, what about Palantir here? PLTR. This one is well, it's just bunching up, right? And it's shaping. Up, I mean, the entire range. Oh, nice. Uh, the entire range of this stock since it's, its IPO is like nine dollars. It's, like, it, it's like what? It's like high tight. Yeah, it's high nines or high nines, mid nines to mid tens, right? Low nines to mid tens.
2: Uh, Actually, when I, I got like 1140 to 888. Oh, Let me see. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. A little don't. bit. No, saying, yeah. I like what I actually have uh some numbers up on a chart here already to take a look at it. And um, it just. It just hasn't caught the fire yet, right, of like these IPOs. If you're, you know, like Kenny Glick and, you know, you like to, you know, you see that high at 1140. And he probably still has his buy stop out there at 1150. If it goes to that IPO high, he wants to be in. Uh, Just muddling here. What do you have? You have 1142 to 890 two and a half point move and it's just trading right in that area. I know I have a uh, 10, 13 is a 50% retracement, but that's what I'd be looking for. You know, they get back over here, hold the 50% and then try and, you know, take care of all these sellers here. But it looked like a lot of people got stuffed in this thing early, had the the drop and then the rebound and just trying to try to have a more sustained rally this time. That's what I, do. that's what I have to say for Palantir.
1: Let me see if we can do like one or two more. Sure. Just because I didn't do a very great job. Okay, let's look at Twilio. Because I mentioned them. They're oh, one of the few uh, that reports today. So, hmm. deck earnings. Twilio stock cooled off a bit. But I had a get down Friday. How are we looking?
2: Well, I mean, this is just – I mean, they blow it away every time. I've I've they tussled do. with this saying a few they times. And Let's have talk
1: not, to the pro, and if I can see, jeez, yeah, they they've never never missed, missed in right in their history as a public company. They've only missed on their revenue one time on their earnings. They've never missed.
2: Well, you know, uh, I'll just take a look at this. You're trading up again in the pre-market. I'll just give you a shorter term perspective here, because obviously I have no idea, you know, what the report is going to be, what their guidance is going to be. Uh, you made that all time high. And then oh, I meant to do I meant to do a 50 percent retracement. Instead, I did a trend line. But it's just uh, I'll do it real quickly. We're up against the clock here. Uh 340 down to just call it 290, 50 point move, add 25 to that, ninety two fifteen or 315, maybe. Maybe if you're looking to lighten up ahead of the report, 315.73 uh was at, that three day high. Uh coming on the downside, I'm not sure why we gapped up back up here in October. Maybe it was some guidance or something. Uh, but as long as you stay above this gap area. I think, you know, good to go north. You know, I don't like – don't like seeing these bigger gaps. If they really try and crush this thing and you got a short position on, just be aware if it gets as low as 258, that will fill the gap uh, from October 2nd where you had a 258 high and a 272.50 low the following session.
1: All right, let's wrap it up here, Joel. How are we looking heading into the open? Have, have we bounced it all?
2: Uh No. Okay. Uh, no, I, this is uh this could be an interesting open here uh, because we're not at last week's low, and I think that's that's going to be my key for today. If the trading patterns from last week and the last couple of weeks hold up, which you never know, it's just gonna be a little bit of buy the dip opportunity, right? I think we. I thought we would be in a trading range between 3300 and 3400 going into the election. I was a little bit low on that projection. little bit of a trading range here, 3,400, you can see the support, ran into problems at 3,500. So you know look as long as last week's lows hold to 340250, I think we'll pair back some of these losses and it seems like every time I look at this screen, I'm looking at like thirty four and a quarter, thirty four thirty. So we'll see if uh if we uh, get back to that area.
1: All right, that'll be wrapped for that. I'm going to go through the chat after we're done here, write down some tickers and we'll cover them at the 340 show. So I appreciate all the participation in there. Thanks to our guest today, Gene Munster. Please remember all of the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or training advice. Hit that like button to show us your support. We appreciate any and all likes and subscriptions. Catch a replay of this on any podcast platform because we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, etc., etc., etc. That'll be a wrap for us. Joe and I will be back at three forty p.m. Eastern Time. Everyone, have a good rest of your day. In the meantime, and good luck out there.